We are in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, and we are looking at various topics. So I did put a verse there, Proverbs 11.4, because that's where we'll start. But um, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about all kinds of things. And remember, I mentioned this by way of introduction last week, is that uh, as you read through the book of Proverbs, you'll find that there are these little couplets of sayings. And sometimes a verse in Proverbs has a parallel saying, something that is written slightly different at one point and then another point, but they mean the same thing, but written slightly different. And then there are also these opposite sayings where you will have, uh, for example, something that says uh, what a wise person will do and then something that a foolish person will do, two opposites. And so we look at these various things and there's all these different topics for life and not only for life, but really for eternal life and how we ought to operate and practice. And the book of Proverbs is the, is the practical book of the Bible. It is how to practice, really, is what it's about. I guess the equivalent book in the New Testament would be the book of James, um, in that the book of James lays out very practical application of how Christians should, should be and how they should operate. And you couple that with all the teaching of Scripture, and uh, you really have everything needed for life and godliness, right? And uh, so we look at that. Well, we're in the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs 11.4 says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And let's just look to the author here tonight as we open Scripture. Lord, we are grateful, grateful that you've given us your book. Grateful you've given us instructions that came along with this life, Lord. And you didn't leave us to our own devices and our own ways and in lost condition, but you've made a way and shown us the way. And Lord, thank you for the Bible that we have, uh, again, just these clear instructions. And so as we open up tonight and then look at these verses found in the book of Proverbs, that you would pray you would teach us and put your... Well, Lord, just to instruct us and open our hearts that you might put your finger on our hearts in ways that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the topics, last week we looked at children, and we looked at raising children and uh, families, sort of that topic, but uh, there's a lot of verses in Proverbs that deal with that, but there's also a lot of verses that deal with riches and poverty, and that's something that um, is found throughout Scripture. There is this propensity in scripture in god really it shows up many times that god has a certain grace and mercy especially to those who are in need and sometimes in needs that are financial needs or material needs and there are many times i've often said it seems like especially when you go through the bible god has a very special place for widows and orphans and the poor um, and uh, but we're going to look at that in a broader sense tonight, and we're going to look specifically out of the book of Proverbs. And as this proverb talks about, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Ultimately, the material wealth or your bank account or the lack thereof and all that does not really um, affect, it should not anyways, the more important decision of righteousness. You can have wealth and be righteous. You can have no wealth and be righteous. And God extends that grace to people. If you want an outline, and I'm using the, uh, the vows that are often found in the traditional wedding vows for richer, for poorer. And, of course, at the end of those vows, 
uh, often the couple will exchange the word forever. And I want to break that down tonight with some verses out of the book of Proverbs and just talk about for richer and for poorer and forever. Uh, because the, the word of God has a lot to say about that. Starting with for richer. Wealth has advantages. Now, I don't know what you think about wealth, um, and some maybe have more money in their bank account than others and all that. I'm glad I don't know what you have and, and uh, all that. I just say that um, all, a lot of times in this world, we put a lot of emphasis on material wealth or possessions. And uh, one of the problems in America is that um, Americans, and I should say problems, it's not always a problem, but that we tend to be consumed with material things more than well spiritual things and it is a problem if that's what's going on but material things in and, them, in and of themselves do not necessarily um, dictate what we do spiritually and it should actually dictate how we operate in the in a good way um, but anyways we'll look at this for a little bit Oftentimes people think, and if you, you know, uh, all of us probably have these ideas of, well, where will I be in, in uh, uh, years ahead, you know? I'm in that stage of life where I'm in my early 50s, and I'm thinking, wow, I wonder if I'll ever be able to retire, you know? Now, I'm not thinking about retiring right now. I mean, who knows? The Lord may take me home, and there I go, retirement, you know? Um, but as I look at that, and I think, Will there be a time where I will have to step away and retire, right? And that may be the case. I don't know. Um, I don't see right now where that will happen, you know, easily or whatever else. And oftentimes, though, we, we kind of picture in our mind's eye, you know, maybe I'll retire someday. I'll have a little, you know, house by the lake and it'll be, you know, just this lap of luxury and everything will be good. And, you know, somebody can come mow your lawn for you and all that good stuff. And, and in reality, it probably looks more like this, you know. It says, when I retire, I'll have a little house on the lakeside. And there's a guy sitting in a mud puddle with his, with his little house, you know. And, and, and often that's somehow, sometimes how life hands things to you, you know. Anyways, you got that vision in your head. Uh, I didn't mean to put that up there. But uh, I, I don't know about you, but again, sometimes the things that we emphasize here are not really the things that God wants us to emphasize, he wants us to have righteousness. He wants us to feed on his bread. And we're talking about the words of God and to do that. Um, Proverbs 13.4, and this goes with this, and I point A there. Um, if you have enough of this world's goods to live, then uh, some, you know, it says, you are one of the rich people or richer people. But again, this sometimes has advantages and in uh, Proverbs 13, 4, it says, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. Sometimes people get their material wealth from diligence and just being diligent at the tasks that are given them, and, and they do that, and that's a good thing. And the book of Proverbs has good things to say about such a person. In 22, verse 7, it says, The rich rules over the poor. And the borrower is a servant to the lender. Now, if you're in the rich category, you may find yourselves in a position, and this could be a negative or a positive, of leadership or ruling. And that was the case in the ancient world. It's still the case today. There are very influential, wealthy people. And um, the uh, couplet that is here kind of leads to a more negative saying where it says the borrower is servant to the lender. 
In other words, when you have to go borrow money, you have to serve that institution, a bank or someone else. You have to go to work until your obligation is paid off. And somewhat, you've put yourself into a, a, a situation where you're enslaved to that in some way, shape, or form. Not always bad. I'm not against borrowing necessarily. But keep in mind, when you borrow, you become a slave to that, uh, that agreement that goes on. And that is the case. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11, and uh, we have a positive here. It says, he who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. Uh, Very simple principle. If you go out there and you work and you plant and you do that, think of a farmer who does it, you'll, you'll have food on your table. That's generally true. Now, there are certainly times where crops fail and farmers don't have food on their table, but generally I... I know that that was the case. I think when I uh, was growing up, there were so many farmers or families that I knew that had gone through the Great Depression. And uh, some people remembered back to that time when they were kids and they went through the Depression. And for those that lived on a farm, they hardly noticed any difference. You know, as far as that, uh, there were hardships, but they had food on the table and they did that. They were diligent in that. But look at the other side. It says, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. That's like the, the prodigal son, right? He went and spent his living or his inheritance before his dad died. He spends it on frivolity, you know, things that were not lasting and didn't put money or time into the effort of life while he was young. And it caused him great harm and disaster. And yet his is a story of repentance. Sometimes we go through life and we follow frivolity. And the Bible says it's devoid of understanding. And I think we live in a generation, uh, and I'm not pointing to younger people as much as I am pointing to the whole generation, from young to old, where people only are investing in the now. And that's a problem. It really is. Proverbs 22.4. And it says this, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Great verse right there. The greater and more important things are not necessarily the riches of your bank account, but humility and the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 28.19. Actually, I just had that one. I must have jumped ahead again. In verse 20. uh, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. There is a way to get wealth, um, and people are driven to that sometimes, but here is the connection a faithful man will abound with blessings if you're faithful at a task given to you uh, that makes it a whole lot easier than trying to go and chase after the latest get rich quick scheme and there's lots of those right and if i probably asked you have you ever gotten caught up in something like that there's there's probably something that you've you know said i'm going to do this and all that and and uh, and it it was short-lived and a lot of times there are all kinds of people who will take your money, and there's a very few that will give it back in any extra, right? Uh, so it's a matter of diligence and faithfulness in doing that. Wealth has advantages, but wealth also has disadvantages. And um, the rich man has problems, believe it or not. You think the poor has problems? Well, the rich man too. For instance, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 20. 
The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Now, what this means, and again, couplet uh, of, of these paradoxical statements, um, the poor man, you know, his neighbors don't want to see him in the neighborhood because they know he's going to be taking or drawing and doing that. But then he says, the rich man has many friends, but it's not always good. The rich man has friends because he's rich. Now, if he loses his wealth, he probably loses most of, the, most of his friends. And so that was the idea there. Proverbs 18.23, the poor man uses entries or entreaties, but the rich answers roughly. Again, a comparison. A poor man might come along and say, hey, can, can you spare a guy a, a dollar, you know, please, uh, sir, kind sir, where the rich man says, hey, you know, go do this. Here's some money or whatever. And you know what I mean? The difference is there. I'd rather have somebody that is humble and is close to the Lord and is in need and recognizes that need close to the Lord than someone who just roughly handles life and people and money. Proverbs 28, 11. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding searches him out. Now, here it's looking to search out riches, but there's a positive as well in that. And you have the rich man who he thinks he's wise in his own eyes, um, but not really. Uh, I remember in the days when I, and I still have to do this a lot of times, is when um, if I had a car problem, it was me that had to fix it, right? Because I couldn't afford a mechanic. And there were times it was like, it was also cars that you could fix. Now they're so hard, you have to go to the mechanic, right? But uh, the little things, you know, I'd change my own oil and do those kind of things and get dirty and do that. And you, it took work in doing that. Now, the rich man, you know, he might never have changed his oil. Might not even know where oil goes in the car. The engine blows, okay, I'll just get another car. That kind of thing. Who is wise, you know, in that? Well, you know, there's benefits to that. There's drawbacks to that as well. The poor who has understanding searches him out. Sometimes our poverty draws us to a place where we have to understand things and how to fix things and how to work things. And and also, hopefully, in the book of Proverbs talks about this, an understanding of the bigger and deeper things like spiritual um, life, eternal life, and how to be saved. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. Here the riches are compared to, um, basically compared to uh, the problems and cares that come. In the house of the righteous, there's much treasure. Now, he's not talking about material treasure. treasure. Talking about the blessings that accompany righteousness. Think of all the pain that is caused by unrighteousness when in a home. There's a lot. Some of you have had those stories in your background, maybe growing up. Or at various times where you've had something that has, you know, scarred you from your childhood or those kind of things. And... That's unrighteousness. But righteousness in a home, you might not have much bread on the table or in the bank account, but you have great treasure, he says. Revenue of the wicked is trouble. Proverbs fifteen sixteen: Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Oh, 
Another good verse out of the book of Proverbs. There is temptation to trust in wealth. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. Pretty simple statement. Proverbs 28.11 The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor, I, I don't know, I have that doubled up again, sorry. The poor who has understanding searches him out. Um, and then chapter 10, verse 2, that's the one I wanted. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. Think about that for a moment. You have many people investing in this life, chasing after that dream of the little house by the lake or whatever it is. You know, Hopefully it doesn't end up like the guy in my picture. But chasing after those things, but forgetting the greatest things. How many times I have, uh, and I've done this, you know, I respond on the ambulance and I'll respond somewhere to a, a house and there's someone that has now has a major medical need and sometimes it's too late or they're heading to the hospital and this is their last ride. And you hear the spouse say, he just retired. He spent his life chasing after this and we have all this we were planning to do. And now, and I think of this, and now, death is knocking at the door. person didn't get ready. Righteousness delivers from death. Death is our greatest need, or overcoming death is our greatest need. And righteousness always overcomes that. So, I don't care about planning. You can plan for your retirement, that's great. Or maybe you're in retirement and plan for the future, that's wise. But make sure you plan beyond that. Because it could be tonight. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Without justice. And there are certainly people who have been um, experienced that. Vast revenues of wealth, but no justice for those around them. You know, God is on the side of justice, by the way. In the New Testament... We find similar statements. I'm, not, I'm just going to look at the one that is most often used. 1 Timothy 6.10 For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I think much of the crimes that are going on in the United States today, whether they be violent crimes or they be... Um, uh, petty crimes or other you know, crimes in between extend in many ways because of the love of money, if you think about it. The crimes of passion that go on, and it's very simply that people have a lot of money and some of them uh, uh, get involved in things that they would not have gotten in if they didn't have a lot of money or enough money. Think of how many people are getting on a cell phone tonight. I'm not against cell phones. I have one. How many people are getting on a cell phone tonight and calling their group of buddies and say, hey, let's go do this and let's go do that. And they're plotting in the evil wings of darkness, you know, to do something like that. And if they didn't have enough money to have a cell phone, they'd probably stay home and do something different or go to work and do something different. Almost everybody now has a cell phone. Do we really need them? We think we do. I mean, I think I do. But do we? How, I wonder how my 
my parents' generation and, and me as a, growing up in the 80s, how in the world did I ever live without a cell phone? My parents couldn't get a hold of me. No, they went to bed and they didn't worry about it, I guess. I, you know, those kind of things. But sometimes with material blessings come extra things that come along, evil things. And I do believe that, and we're studying on Wednesday night, that book from David Jeremiah, um, The World of the End. And one of the characteristics of the world of the end is that there will be the great expansion of knowledge. And it'll be on a global scale and communicating. I think we're in that kind of a world today where there's a great ways to, to do evil things, not just here, but everywhere. One of the benefits, I think, of the confounding of the languages in Genesis 11 there at the Tower of Babel um, was that God limited man from the ability on a global scale to be able to sin greater because he confounded his language. And all of a sudden, to sin and to pass on the knowledge of sin to other people outside your language group, you had to, to learn their language, and that takes work. You imagine if we all were of one common language, well, we would be back at Tower of Babel. They were erecting some tower into the heavens and worshiping the heavens and not the creator of the heavens. And you know where I think we're right back there? Because we're in a world today where language is not the barrier anymore. And we're sinning more. And again, I'm not preaching the evils of the internet or those kind of, these are neutral things. But man in his sinful condition can use anything to create really unrighteousness and unrighteous acts. And the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's really that money that flows in from some of this stuff. Good stewardship has a reward. One of the things that the Bible focuses on many times is the issue of stewardship. If God gives you a little bit, Use it wisely. If God gives you much, use it wisely for him. To whom much is given, much is required, the Bible says. And there have been people, uh, I have seen them in, uh, in various ministry where I've been, where there's been people that I know just by their life and knowing them personally, they didn't have much, but they gave so much. And then I knew others who had more, materially and they also but they gave accordingly and they gave much and god blessed both in that and both could be uh, in in the same fellowship and doing that proverbs 3 9 and 10 honor the lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase the first fruits that's the the beginning of things i think that principle is extends to all believers everywhere if you will make god your top priority whether it's in your giving or whether it's in your life choices, it always works to the benefit of you in that way. I say benefit in that you're putting God first, and he blesses that. That principle is there. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. That was a promise given directly to the Jew, and I do believe that... um, For the Christian, it isn't necessarily that we're attached to a material blessing. We're given spiritual blessings, according to what the book of Ephesians says. He's blessed blessed us with all spiritual blessings. But the principle is still there. And I have seen God's blessing 
Sometimes when he challenges me to do something and I'm not comfortable necessarily with it because maybe I don't have the money to do it. And then he's challenged me to do something for him, whether it's giving or investing in something that's an eternal investment. And you do that and then you see such a blessing come back. And I often wonder how much more if I would do more and trust him more. Years ago, I remember being in a little church and... uh, <laughs> no joke. I, I was in church and the Lord put it on my heart to put the last of my money in the offering. And uh, I just, I had felt convicted. I hadn't been giving the way I should that month. And I said, well, I had, I think it was around $50 and I put that in the offering. And I, and I say this not for my, I'm not blowing my own horn. I'm just using this as an illustration. And I show you, sometimes I have to learn the lessons the hard way. Put that in the offering, and I was headed out of church, and we were missionaries at the time, um, raising support. And and by the way, missionaries are still, you know, supposed to give. We are Christians. Doesn't matter if you're in ministry or not. And I think that's obedience. And I I was walking out of church, and this guy hands me a hundred dollars, and he says, "Lord, put it on my heart to give you this today." And I said, "Oh, the irony in that." If I had $100, I could have given, maybe I'd have got 200 You know, I don't know. But isn't that the way God is? He turns right around and he blesses you back because you took a step of obedience. And by the way, that was hard for me to give that money knowing that there wasn't anything else for a few days that would come back in that. It was between paydays and I thought, I'm just going to do it. Sometimes that's so freeing, isn't it? And then God just turns around, blesses you more. Oh, thank you, Lord. He's good. Here in Proverbs 8, I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Are you a person like that? You want to bless others? You want to be able to bless and fill their lives and make it better? I think for Christians, that ought to be our mission. Not necessarily, you don't have, maybe you don't have material things to give people, but when you get involved with people and you leave that group, did you make them better somehow? Did you invest something into them that made them better? For richer and for poorer. The Bible has a lot to say about poverty. And by the way, it's, it's not a sin to be poor. You listen to some of those preachers out there, and me, you know the uh, Joel Olsteins and others, and sometimes you think that it's a sin to be poor. God doesn't want you poor, and if you're poor, there's something wrong with you. Well, I don't think he reads the same Bible I do. And uh, I would just say this, that Christ told his disciples they would go out and they would be like sheep among wolves. And, you know, sometimes you live a life where you're, you're like that, you're chase down and you don't get ahead because you were the honest person those kind of things but i do say this that it's not a sin to be poor sometimes that's people's that's their situation due to outside circumstances sometimes unforeseen things Uh, i think of job in the bible he was a very wealthy man he has thousands of uh sheep and camels and uh, and you think all the money that was invested in that and that was all taken away he lost his wealth. He lost his family. He lost his health. 
lost his wife's relationship, all those things. And it was in Job's poverty that he came to know God and appreciate God in a deeper way in that. And that's the book of Job. But anyways, Proverbs 19.1, Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Uh, and sometimes this happens. We, we end up in poverty because we just didn't think something through. Making bad decisions. Sometimes it's just hasty decisions. Someone comes along and you hear of something that you know they have and you say, I, I need that. Just go. Let's get it. Didn't think of the consequences that you didn't, couldn't afford it or those kind of things. Sometimes poverty comes with those kind of problems. Some speculate in haste. Some um, have not saved money. There is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. And I will say there's probably a little bit of foolishness in anybody. Uh, and it's trying, the great thing is to try to stop that and be wise and disciplined. It's good to put a little money aside, is what he's teaching here, like oil in a dwelling. And I think of that, how many people today are probably, well, we've had a mild winter, but uh, experiencing problems uh, with their heating and their heating costs and looking to any help they can get, but they probably could have saved some money in the summer, right? When it wasn't hot or cold, I mean, when it was warm, we weren't heating. A lot of things, it's like that. I mean, let's be real, you know. Somebody says, hey, I'm in a dire strait, I haven't... But where was your money being spent six months ago? Uh, oh, you know, uh, price of cigarettes is a lot, you know. <laughs> and I often think of that. Uh, we've, you know, I've helped people before, and I look sometimes at the habits in their life, and, and, and I just say we all have habits, right, of things that where we spend our money that we think is important. But when it comes down to trimming things, that's wise, A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. Sometimes we try these get-rich-quick schemes, right? Sometimes, though, poverty comes because of uh, being mistreated. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice there is waste. Sometimes, um, in this case, the lack of justice is this, that Somebody's been done wrong. And because of that, they cannot achieve what they potentially could if there was justice. Um, in America, we have, you know, stories of that kind of thing where, you know, one group of people lorded over another group of people. That's really the story of human history. It goes right back to the garden, right? It's not just America, but we often, in our own history, we look back at those, th those times and there were people that rose above those circumstances when given the opportunity. I did a funeral for a man years ago. And um, he was a hardworking man. Uh, he was a black guy from the South originally. Uh, he had, and his brothers actually as well, and his, he had a fairly large family, 
They had all come out of tremendous poverty, uh, worked hard. One of his brothers was a doctor. Uh, another one was uh, another one in a healthcare profession. And he himself had come out of poverty, been in the military for a long time, and then um, he went into, he worked a, a business job and then eventually died of a heart attack fairly young. He was like under 60 when he died. And I remember hearing of his life story. His parents came out of the generation of sharecroppers in the South and they, they had experienced great poverty and a lot of times just because others didn't want them to have anything and kept them in that cycle of poverty and those kind of things. And one of the things about this dear brother is he never let that, once he had the opportunity, he never let that bother him in that way. And he, he, he really did some amazing things in his life. And I, I, to this day, have great respect for him in that. And, but let's not, you know, shy away from that. Sometimes through injustices, people are end up in poverty. And that cycle of poverty continues on and on and on in doing that. Proverbs 13:24 Oh, by the way, cuz that was 13:23, I left that other one in. It says much food is in the fallow ground of the poor and for lack of justice there is waste. The very next verse in Proverbs is what we talked about last week on discipline. <laughs> and sometimes the correcting of a wayward person when they're young will lead to blessing later for others and also justice for others. Much of what we think on good and bad and justice and evil and all those things comes as a result of being disciplined when we're young in the home. The way we value people, the way we value their things, whether we'll covet those things or we won't, all those things a lot of times go back to the home. Proverbs 26, verse 6. And again, sometimes... Poverty comes because we're just plain lazy. Laziness. Here, says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. By the way, I love the, the Bible in its preciseness. Um, Proverbs 6.6 6 says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways. Do you know that every worker ant is female? The Bible got it right. I don't know. I can never tell. You ever pick up an ant and try to figure out if they're male or female? But God knew, and God breathed out his word through Solomon's pen. Consider her ways and be wise. Which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. The simple little ant, as it goes out there scurrying all around and gathering up food and bringing it back to the nest, doing that over and over again. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. <laughs> How easy it is when we just get lazy. And we have to drive that out of ourselves and out of uh, those that we have influence on. I mean that. Sometimes just hard work. Proverbs 10.24, I guess, is what I have here. And I don't think that's the one I want. That's okay. 10.4. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. And again, the principle of work while you can work. 
don't look out there and say, oh, it's too hot. Imagine if your farmer, you know, in the St. John Valley, they went out and they said, oh, it's too hot in the summer. I'm not going to do anything. It's too wet in the spring. I'm not going to do that. Oh, the snow's coming early. It's too cold to harvest. I've been on harvester and, uh, you know, during potato harvest when it was cold. You know it was cold. Frost in the ground and you hope the potatoes are good and all that stuff. And you, you're just hoping the sun will come out a little bit because you're just freezing to death during harvest. I would have rather stayed home in my bed. But I'm glad I, I learned some lessons during harvest. We are to help the poor. That's also talked about. And um, there are a lot of verses that deal with that. Now I say that we're to help the poor in their real need. Sometimes th- there's a you can enable someone in bad behavior. And I don't know, I kind of err on the side of grace with that because I don't know everybody's personal life and sometimes we all get in a jam and unforeseen things. But I would say this, that the scripture does talk about that. For, for instance, in the New Testament, Second Thessalonians chapter 3 says, For even when we were uh, with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Pretty simple principle. If a man refuses to work, he probably shouldn't be eating. You shouldn't be feeding him. Now, can I tell you this? That um, there are people that can't work for some reason. Something bad happens to them, and that happens. And our system and our government today has taken over the role of charity, which is not working because they're not charitable. They don't know anything about it. It doesn't do anything. It just gives money out. And you see people who get money for not working. And so long as you get money for not working, people won't work. That's a pretty simple principle. Try to explain that to your government. Right now we have a labor shortage in America. And I can't figure that out either. Can't figure out why someone can't, who can actually make decent money even at minimum wage today. I say decent because it's you know, forced and not that way. But, but they can't get people to work for minimum wage at $13.80 um, an hour. Because you can make more money not working in some situations. So, but it's going to come to poverty for everybody. For we hear that there are some among, or some uh, who walk among you in disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Busybodies. Now, sometimes we don't have enough to do. And when you don't have enough to do, guess what you're going to do? Be a busybody. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Pretty simple. Proverbs 14.21 He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. The idea of giving, the idea of charity, the idea of being gracious, that is good and that's what the book of proverbs says he who oppresses the poor to increase his riches and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty and again just simple principles 1431 he who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker remember and i've i've said this before sometimes you look out at somebody and they just got a myriad of problems associated with their economic status sometimes or bad decisions they've made and all that they're still a person don't ever forget that 
and they they may have made some very poor choices and they're in that situation but don't despise them because you're despising their maker also and they need christ and if you despise them they'll never have christ and i just say you can still um, be merciful because that's how god is but he who honors him has mercy on the needy whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard I think there's a principle of when you help others, when your time comes for a need, there are people out there that know that, and they say, hey, we, it's time for us to help them. It doesn't always work out perfectly like that, but often. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. Do you have a generous eye? Or a covetous eye? Those are the opposites, right? Always wanting something you can't have or you shouldn't have, or are you just like, hey, this isn't mine. I want to give it in the place where I can give it. For he who gives his bread to the poor, right? He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. And again, I could go on and on and on about that. I end with this. We often say, for richer, for poorer, forever. <clears throat> and you know, there is this idea, and I, I, I again, I don't think the um, the Bible not only gives us instruction for this life, but it really points us to eternal life and how God is. Um, and when done right, and when we invest in the right areas, there's an eternal perspective on things. Proverbs thirteen seven says, There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. Those great riches are eternal riches Um, and the bible again talks about this over and over again in the new testament i think it's summed up best in the proverb that jesus spoke about in luke chapter 12 verse 16 then he spoke a parable to them saying the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool! This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. We need to be, no matter what, rich toward God. And that's really what's summed up in in that proverb and uh, in that parable. And I hope that that's what you take home with you tonight as well. Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, for the instruction that is, I think, very clear in the Bible. And Lord, if you give us much or you give us little, we'll take it gratefully. And Lord, help us to be good stewards of what you have for us, that we might bless others. And Lord, in turn, lift you up. In Jesus' name, amen.